Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Healthy Scratch podcast. I am Spencer Plumino. I'm Tyler O'Connor. I'm Christian Johnson Governs. And uh, together we're going to be releasing the podcast once a month covering the Leafs, the Habs, the rest of the league, and some women's hockey coverage as well. Um, we're going to be posted on Hot Sauce Sports, and we're very grateful for that opportunity, and we're looking forward to a very cool uh, partnership with them. Um, the podcast itself, as mentioned, is going to be a little bit Habs Leafs forward. We've got two Habs fans in myself and Tyler and one Leafs fan in Chris. Uh, Chris, you actually have a cool story of your, your, uh, your birth as a Leafs fan. I was born and raised a Habs fan, and I jumped ship March 1st, 2017, when the Canadians traded for Steve Ott and Dwight King, while the hero himself, Charles Don, led the AHL in scoring. I left that exact day, and I have not looked back since. I love it. So we get both perspectives on this show. Uh, we're going to try and keep it pretty even, despite the fact that we're outnumbering the Leafs fan uh, two to one here. And uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoy and we hope you guys keep tuning in. Uh, we're going to kick this off with uh, some stories around the league. So what are some storylines coming out of training camp and opening night that uh, that you guys are excited about or that it, you find interesting right now? Uh, you, Chris, you want to go uh, first? I'm going to start like, it. Yeah, yeah just, just because we've seen the first night of games it, you get to see a few things that you were worried about in preseason yeah. and uh, the Oilers defense, definitely not any better. Yeah, My garbage. God, what a disaster in their defense. Not it, a, it, and, yeah. You, you've lost Clef bomb for the year. Obviously that's your best defenseman by quite a stretch. Um, but uh, having, you know, seen Tyson Berry play 56 and up games last year would not recommend that if you're having defensive issues and, uh, just last night watching Dreisaitl and and his line try and defend like that. I know it's one game, and if I'm going to stretch from one, game, that is a that is a concern and a half. Yeah, the, the Oilers' situation on D is is scary. Like they're, I think they're going to be trying to figure it out for for a good portion of the year. And if they want a chance to to succeed this year, they're going to have to figure it out. I don't know. If they're going to get it done, like I've, I felt from the beginning that that Tyson Barry signing, I mean, it's going to help their power play. I think he's going to he's going to have a bounce back offensively, but that's not the guy you want filling Clefbaum's shoes, right? Well, well, like and and like for what it's worth, I know they brought him in with the intentions of helping out the power play, but they already had the league leading power play last year. Like, how much better do you really think it's going to get? They're at. Well, I think I think that their argument there was that because Clefbaum's gone for the year, they need a guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right, but I just, I don't know. I just find he, it. He played. He played that point, and he played but, it well. But did they? Did they signed him uh, to replace Clefbaum on the okay. power play. Oh, okay. See, I got, yeah. I got, I got the timetable confused. I thought they signed them before they knew the Clefbaum. Well, they signed it before oh. the information was released, but I think they okay knew. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, regardless, yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd say is if you're looking at the power play, if you're gonna sign a defenseman. When you already have two of the best players in the world running your power play, I wouldn't focus on trying to find a defenseman to help out the power play. I mean, like someone like TJ look... Brody would have been an interesting ad. If, I mean, exactly. I don't know if you know what I mean? Like, no, he, that's they what... can't have him. They can't have him. <laughs> yeah, I know you love him. But you know what I mean? Like, you already have the two best players in the world. I feel like you should have put a little more emphasis on getting a defenseman who might not be a power play specialist, but at least defends. That was you my know? feeling, too. And, like, I... I... I initially really disliked the fact that they didn't go out and get goaltending help. But again, with, you know, we didn't know at the time that they, they knew Kleppbaum was going to be out. So it makes sense that they went defense, but I, I do worry about, even just for Tyson Barry's sake, man, like he's out of the furnace of uh, Toronto and into the fire of, uh, of Edmonton here. Like it's, it's a crazy market as well. You know, he's going to have a hard time. 
if he's struggling in that market too. So it's going to be tough. But anyways, moving on from uh, from the Oilers. Actually, Chris, you had something interesting about Drasset. You mentioned his defensive struggles, and you were you were pulling up some heat maps, and I thought that showed like a really interesting story. Yeah, so, so Michael McCurdy, uh, ineffective math on Twitter, has this like really good website, hockeyviz.com, uh, where he puts heat maps. So uh, among other things that he has on there, uh, the heat maps show basically when the player's on the ice, where the opposing team is taking shots, right. and when he's on the ice, where his team is taking shots in, in the offensive zone and defensive zone. And in the defensive zone, uh, the heat map is just straight red right around the net. Uh, so basically, when Dreisaitl's on the ice, the opposing team just has a free and open shot from the slot almost all the time. He's uh, 15% worse than the rest of his team, and the Oilers are bad. So uh, he's very, very bad. Enough to be, um, in my personal opinion and Dom Rishishin's opinion, who put it, put it on the, the athletic, enough to take him out of the conversation of being like a top, top player on the planet. He's yeah, that yeah. bad in his own end. That's that's it's, that's it's atrocious. Eye opening, yeah. Um, Tyler, you got anything you're uh, you're looking at? Um, well, I mean, obviously watched the Habs game last night, and I thought, I mean, Romanov kind of lived up to his hype, didn't he? I mean, I know it's only one game sample size, and I know Chris, you showed us the 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 the, the, the deeper dive into how his game actually went, but I thought just on the surface he looked confident, he looked comfortable. Um, he didn't seem out of place playing on the right side, which I know I we've spoken plus minutes on the right side. That, that, that's big, yeah. you know, that's big. And um, it, it's funny. There, there was a, there was a play. There was a play when the Habs were on the power play in the second period where um, he got the puck up at the blue line and Kerfoot chased up after him. And he kind of did this weird little, move with the puck, kept it in on the blue line and kept the puck going in. And I was speaking to my friend, kept the puck in the, in the, in the ozone, sorry. And I was speaking to a couple of friends online about it the other, uh, after the game and, and they were bringing up like, that's not the smart play. Like that's not the move that's, and, and to which I agree a hundred percent, like they, it, it was a high risk move. Definitely not something you want to see your defend defenseman doing when they're the last man back. Um, on the blue line, but I just thought the fact that he had the confidence to mm-hmm. even to trust himself with the puck in that situation says a lot about about how he's feeling on the ice, which is really cool. Because I watched that play and I thought immediately, Petrie and Weber would have chucked that in the corner, yeah. but he had the poise and the confidence in himself to hold on to it. Yes, risky move, one hundred percent. You do not want to see your defenseman doing it on a regular basis, but I think that just summed up perfectly how he felt on the ice last yeah. night and obviously that passed to Tatar yeah to Tatar beautiful um and yeah he played he played a fuck ton I I so impressed with him last night he played it he looked fantastic he did not look like a guy who was playing his first game at all to me you know like the eye test again like all three of us agreed that to the eye he looked really good out there um chris you did mention that he had i mean again state this right off the top it's one game his first game oh 100 we're not going to read too much into this it's just interesting to see the difference between the eye test and the analytics a little bit even even the analytics like like the ones i sent you just expected goals like 33 of expected 30 percent of expected goals in one game yeah it's not great but like it's literally one game exactly yeah. and every player is oh. rusty i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hamper him on it like he looked good it's just the eye test has some flaws and i i, I saw someone tweet that out and i yeah it, it it does make sense i thought the leafs 
got dominated that game, but apparently they had pretty even amount of high danger chances. So it makes sense if Romanov was on the ice that much that he would be on the ice for a bit more for the Leafs side. That's yeah. fine. It's one it's, game, it's just like you said. Like we're not gonna. No, of course, exactly. It's uh, yeah, it's... it's one of many, many games to come for the kid, and it's uh, it was a hell of a first performance. I think the fact that he played 22 minutes says uh, says a lot, and says that the coaching staff has a lot of trust in him. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. Let, let me ask I'm... you this before we before, before yep. we change from Romanov as as Habs fans, but do you want him on that first pair with Weber? Spence, you can you can go first if you'd like. I don't know if I wouldn't want him on the first pair with Weber right off the bat. I, I wouldn't yeah. be comfortable with that right now. I'd rather to ease him in. I think ultimately he's probably a better bet in the top four than um, than Edmondson is. And I, I wanted to bring that up with Edmondson. He feels like the kind of signing that you make when you think your team is in one spot and you find out shortly after that they're 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 now beyond that spot. And I, I worry that that's going to be the case with Edmondson. Again, it's one game, and we're not even reading into performance-wise that much with him. It's just, it seems like we've already got a better top four defenseman in Romanov there, and we've now got a contract uh, that Edmondson's going to be getting paid for, for a few years here that's, you know, it's it's not ideal. But yeah, yeah. As an outsider, I would say you already had one who was better than Edmondson. You, like, discounting Romanov, but Kulak, with yeah. Jeff Petrie, I showed you guys that before. Top ten D pair in expected goals last year. Like they, that that was a really good duo. Uh I I wouldn't have paid him I wouldn't have traded for him and then also paid him yeah. for a guy that I think was already like I personally like Kulak more, but Well that's an, Kulak you know. is another example of a guy who could probably fill that slot, you know, arguably better than Edmondson. But we're gonna give Edmondson a shot. Obviously it's very early. I just I just with how good Romanov looks, it's, it just seemed like one of those situations where it's like, oh shit, are we farther along here than we thought? Yeah, I just find I'm just I surprised find... he took the chance with yeah. the Carl Alsner deal just being shipped out, yeah. right? Like just being bought out. Like you literally have the example of what you don't want. Yeah. And he did it again. Yeah, but then he had it's the not as bad, obviously, with, but... of Sherratt, right? Where it went it did bounce the right way. So Well, see that and that's the thing that I'm a little confused about is that if they're bringing Romanov over, like there's no way they weren't already considering him to potentially crack the top four. Um, at some point throughout the season, which then puts Edmondson, Edmondson down on your third pair, and I don't know, like you're, you, you, I wouldn't, like I, I heard a bunch of people talk about it after they traded for him. They're like, why would you trade for him? You you could easily wait till the free agent open, free agent market opens up, and you can get somebody at a cheaper rate without having to. Yeah, they gave up a fifth round pick, so it's not the end of the world. But like, you could have waited and gone somebody on the market, especially in like, especially in in with the salary cap as it is and and the and the, the the free agent pool as it is and free agents looking for homes like there were players left who were just looking for a home for this season you mm-hmm. could have probably gotten somebody at a much cheaper rate without term to fill in that third pair role perfectly it's the if term you were thinking that's of Roma, the biggest issue yeah sorry it's the term that's the biggest issue to me that's the thing exactly i, I wouldn't mind you know, I just for a year or two yeah. but yeah I, I, it just it, for those it, for those of you that don't know that are listening, three point five yeah. until the end of the twenty twenty three twenty four season. Yeah, and I mean, like, it is worth like for what it's worth. People and I get it. He had a very rough um, first game with the Habs. He looked very bad yesterday. Yeah, I'm not times. even concerned about that. Uh, but I'm not concerned either yet. I do think I I like I get Montreal fans um, are a little scarred and a little uh, a little worried 
considering what happened with the Osner situation. But I do think that it takes some time to, 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 to remember a lot of these guys haven't played hockey in an, in, in an extended period of time. And he's coming into a new system. It's going to take a little while for him to, 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 to get the ball rolling. So that's why I'm not totally worried yet. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to give him time to learn, to, to grow and to, to adjust. Um, because again, it, he, he's new. He, he hasn't played with, he hasn't played hockey period in an extended period of time. And then they just threw him in, especially like, I know, I know Chris now, Chris and I always bicker back and forth about the Leafs and the Habs, but like the Leafs are not an easy team to have your first game against. If you're new to the system, that's a fast team. That's a high skill. Well, especially if you're playing, if you're playing defense, no, yeah. if you're playing offense, it's a very easy team. To play it, yeah. Fair. <laughs> but especially if you're going to be paired again, they put him with Petrie, which means, and they trust Petrie. They put Petrie out there in important situations, which means he was basically thrown in the deep end right away. So I'm willing, I'm with you, Spence. I'm willing to give him a bit more time to adjust uh, before coming down with a final verdict. Yeah. Well, the thing too, is he's going to be playing, you know, the Leafs, what is it? Eight, 10 times? Are we playing the Leafs 10 times this year? A lot of times this year. And there's several nine, other high school teams in, in the division. Yeah, that he's or, be facing yeah, right yeah. I think they got nine more. I think 10 in total, nine more. After yeah. Last night. So um, on that note, we're going to, we're going to move ahead to some uh, North division predictions or just some, you know, some outlook, at least uh, see who we think is going to make the playoffs here. Uh, Chris, you want to go ahead? Uh, I'm just going to give one to four and then we'll deal with it later. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to go with Toronto one. Uh, I'm going to go at uh, Vancouver two, mm. Montreal three, and Calgary four. Nice. Ty, uh, Ty you want to go next? I've got the exact same four, but uh, different order for second for, for second and third. So I got Toronto first, I got Montreal second, Vancouver third, and Calgary fourth. Nice. I'm going to waffle a little bit on the. Uh the standings that I had in my, my preseason predictions. And I'm going to go with uh, Toronto first, Montreal second, Vancouver third, and Edmonton fourth. I'm swapping Vancouver and Edmonton there. Interesting. Yeah. We're all pretty high on Vancouver after one game, eh? Well, I mean, I was high on them beginning the season too, honestly. It's just, you know, I worry about Edmonton. I, I, yeah. I feel like I pressured myself into taking them off of uh, being the third, uh, third in the standings. Yeah. I got another question for you guys. Out of the uh, out of the perennial contenders that we see, you know, the past few years, who do you see as a team that could take a big step back this year? Like I'm thinking like San Jose last year kind of just fell off, right? LA and Anaheim two years ago did something similar. Um, I'm curious to see if you guys have any uh, takes on that. Chris, go ahead. I'm going to go New York Islanders, and it'll probably bite me in the ass because it always does with this team. I just don't, I, I don't see how they get better – now that they're not playing a variety of teams, their weakness, in my personal opinion, seems to be once you play them four times, you figure out how they play defensively. And once you do that, if you score two goals, you win against the Islanders. Yes, I know they're winning 3 nothing now. But in general, uh, I think if you can score two on the Islanders, you're fine. And They'll be playing teams eight or nine times this year. You're going to learn their system. And if you start figuring out their system, there's not much they can do. And on top of that, they lost their best defenseman. Devontae's is gone to a team that I can't believe added another good player, but a that's a hell of a loss too. for them. I and, and I I really don't think they have anyone to cover for him. I like Noah Dobson, but Barry Trotz is not going to use him. So Pelic is pretty underrated too. I don't see how they he's he's yeah, they're, they're they have they have underrated guys, but there's just no one like like Devontae's has earned had earned the respect of Barry Trotz too, which is hard, especially for a coach like that. Mm-hmm. So to lose him and then to 
to know that instead they're going to be playing guys like uh, <laughs> Mayfield. Like these aren't guys that you want playing more minutes, uh, yeah. but they'll have to because they don't have a guy as big as Devontae. So for me, the Islanders is uh, is uh, the team that's going to fall this year. Yeah, that's a fair pick, especially in that division. That's a that's a good division. So a, yeah, it's the toughest. It's gonna be really tough year, for them to get out. Yeah, I uh, last. <laughs> In the summer, when during the play-in or the playoffs, uh, I, I responded to an NHL tweet asking, you know, who you think is the most impressive team, and I said the Islanders, and I had an Islanders fan somehow angrily respond to me talking about how I didn't know what I was talking about and the Islanders were great and Adam Pellick was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I was like, can you fucking read the tweet again, buddy, because I'm complimenting yeah. your team. So, uh, as, well, I mean, as I could, a Leafs fan, I could I could tell you I've heard all about Islanders fans. Oh being yeah, that was my well, big I gotta, interaction on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Ever since Tavares left, they've been on a very short fuse over there. Yeah. I don't even think they read the. <laughs> I think they just see Islanders and yeah, they just assume, just assume right away. it's bad. Yeah. Um, Tyler, <laughs> give me your pick. We got the same one, I think. Yeah, I think we got the exact same one. It's Boston. Yeah. I'm not. Again, I, we we talked about this before. I, I would not be willing to bet money on it because no. Boston does seem to be a team that can always figure it out regardless of what happens. Yeah. They're like cockroaches, they can always just stay alive no matter <laughs> what hits them. Um, but I I don't know. Pasternak's gone. For is they do they have a timetable or is he out the entire season? Uh, no, no. Pasternak seems to be back. Seems to be shorter now. He's 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 skating. Last okay. last I read, it was about a month. Okay, so I mean that's still a month, and then in a condensed season, that's that, that's a lot of games. That's a lot. Um, they lost Shara, which you could say what you want. I mean that's not a huge loss, but they also lost Krug, and that's that's pretty big. Especially you could you could say what you want about his defense, but he he's a power play specialist. And now if Krug's out and Pasnak's gone for at least the first month, you know Matt Grizzlick, I think is who they have placed in to jump in on their power play, but. I just don't have a lot of confidence in that team right now. Um, again, like I said, you you got a duel of Rask and Halak, pretty pretty one of the best in the league. So you can't you can't you can't argue against it. But again, I just I, I I can't see them being as dominant as they have these past couple seasons. That's kind of my feeling on them too. But it's not that I can't see because like we said, we can see it of course. But it's just it's. It, it, the ingredients are there for that step yeah. back, I think. And they're replacing, you know, Chara and, and Krug on D with, like, you got an influx of youth, but I don't know. I don't feel great about these guys personally. Like, I'm again, I'm not a Bruins fan. I don't follow their prospects that well. But I look at, like, Jeremy Lozon, uh, Jakob yeah. Zaboral, and Urho Vakanainen, and I see, like, they're solid guys. And I, I, I again, Boston has proven me wrong with this in the past. I should say that. Like, I've, I've underestimated the prospects before and been wrong. Yeah. But there are three guys. Like, all of them were drafted with this hope of having the strong two-way ability and some some offense that's going to translate in their game. And, like, for all three of them down the line, like, their offense is not translated to pro hockey. Yeah, and it's, it's weird, too, because, like, like, I'm pretty sure that the big standoff between Chara and the Bruins was the Bruins basically said, like, we you can't we got to see what we have with the young guys like you, yeah. you're not gonna have the same role they used to and obviously like i mean you could say what he what he want what, what you want about his skill as a, as a as a defenseman as a hockey player now but like obviously he's got pride and he he works hard towards his game so he didn't want he 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 obviously didn't want to do that he, he yeah. thought he could still play at a high level but like at the same time i heard that i'm like that this is not the time to just see what your pro it's not it, you shouldn't just see what your prospects are like like 
all at once because you have no other choice. Like this is not the way you should have gone about this. It like, could be. Is, it could just be that they really do see better players than, than we're seeing, and it's entirely possible they're right. I just I I look at them and I'm not that impressed. And there's no debating that this is a very inexperienced group. And even like you have Kevin yeah. Millar, uh, Kevin Miller, sorry, coming back uh, into the lineup. And he missed an entire year. He's 32 yeah. or 33 years old. Like, I just don't have a ton of faith. And I don't know that Grizzly is going to be able to make up the difference, even if McAvoy steps in on the first pair or uh, top uh, power play unit and yeah. um, and does do well. I worry about that. Like, on the second unit, is Grizzly going to be able to make up the difference? I don't know. I, I Again, they've proven me wrong so many times. So it's yeah. it's not something I want to bet against. But Yeah, and I mean, like, Charlie Cole's a good hockey player. Yeah, yeah their top nine is great. But... I love that they got um, Craig Smith, yeah. too. And like Bruce Cassidy does seem to be one of those coaches where he just gets squeezes every ounce out of his players every year, and you know, like they do seem to be one of those teams where it's just the, it's the classic, like, like they just love playing for the crest. They just give it all up for the Boston yeah. Bruins. So like, I don't know. You can't count them out fully because no, they always seem to stick around. But I, I look at them, and out of the perennial contenders that we've been talking about, they seem to be the one that I keep sense, yeah. thinking about. The, I do. I do want to mention that you pointed out they do have a very, very, very good tandem in uh, Raskin and uh, Halak and Ned. Oh, um, stellar! Yeah, yeah. We're gonna move on to uh, to top picks here. Who do we think is gonna finish first in the league? Chris, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm lucky I got first dibs here because I think we would all pick the same team. Yeah, if yeah. I hadn't got I first. Yeah, time. easy, huh? Easy for you. But call- <laughs> <laughs> the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Uh, for me, are. Uh, Head and shoulders above anyone else in the league. It didn't look like that last uh, night. <laughs> I mentioned I mentioned it um, to you guys earlier, but uh, and you would have heard I'm a huge fan of Devontae's. So to know that uh, he gets to leave Scott Mayfield's pair and play with Kale McCarr instead, uh, while feeding a puck up to Nathan McKinnon or Nazem Kadri or TJ Koffer or or you know Pierre Edouard like. JT Confer. Okay. That top nine that, that Colorado has is absolutely absurd. Yeah. Uh, like, just the fact that you can you can say that uh, Brandon Saad is your second line left wing and he's playing with Nazem Kadri and that line is not your first line. And your first line has the arguably one of the top three players on the planet, Nate McKinnon. There's that. They're all below the caves too. And we just watch the World Juniors, and you find out that half the prospects there play for the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> it gets that team is set up to be good for a long time, and I think right now they're a heck of a beast to slay. That's a drag. I think that's the NHL's dragon this year. If you're going to win, you're going to have to take down Colorado. Yeah, and, that's. Uh, uh, I feel like I don't. I don't think anyone. Too. I don't think anyone's close. That's that's a bold take on that end, but I do think they're the, they're my number one team as well. Uh, Ty, what do you got? So, um, <clears throat> well, I was going to pick Colorado, but Chris took the easy way out. So, and I, I know who you're going to take, Spence, so I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to take the Blues, um, which we talked about in the past. I, I just think, you know, they lose Pietrangelo, which is big. Um, although you could say he's, he's, he's kind of getting to the, the, the overrated side of, of the hockey discussion. Um, but they did lose him. But they brought in Tory Krug, which... Yes, you could say that um, his D might not be up to par or, or what you'd hope, but we are talking about a guy who led all defensemen along uh, uh, all defensemen in power play points last season, and you're putting that in 
uh, a power play unit that all that was already third in the entire league last year. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I look and 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 on top of that, you, they didn't have they they finished third last year without Tarasenko. They're, they're arguably their best player. They brought in Mike Hoffman this year, and they're scheduled to have Tarasenko back at some point throughout the season. Yeah, which you so again. You can argue that maybe they, they lost their top defenseman, if not their number two behind Colton Perenko, but I just see them filling a lot of nets with pucks. And I just think, you know, Jordan Bennington, yes, he wasn't what he was his rookie se- uh, his 2018 2019 Cup run season. Um, but I mean, he still put up like a 9 12 last season, which isn't, again, it's not out, world, out of this world, but it's also not. It's serviceable. Just, it, it's serviceable. Allen, you yeah. could work with that, especially if you're if you're if you're scoring at at at, at a rate that I think this team can score at. And I mean, you you look at the blue line. I like Colin Pareko a lot. I like Vince Dunn a lot. Marco Scandella is not a bad defenseman um, if used properly. I just I don't know. I think I think they're a very good team. I think Ryan O'Reilly is outstanding. Um, and I just I think you know I think that they 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 could easily. They could easily uh, put themselves in in the in the cup contender talks. Yeah, I think that's a great pick, honestly. Um, for me, I went with uh, Tampa Bay, and to me, they were the next the next choice after Colorado. And I still think they're the team to beat, given that they just won the cup, and they are even without Kucherov, um, yeah. a phenomenal team. Um, I think Point and Stamkos are are going to be on a tear this year. I think both of them are going to be phenomenal. Uh, Tyler Johnson, I'm looking at to have. I'm, I, I don't know if he will, but I'm hoping that he's going to have a bit of a bounce back in the top six, or, or at least in the top nine scoring role. He had 29 goals <clears> two years ago. He's had a pretty good career of offering some good uh, secondary scoring. Um, Yanni Gord is one guy that that really interests me. Um, and he's two three seasons ago he came in burst onto the scene with like 64 points. I think it was. Um, and he since then has kind of slowly tailed off and is, is even his ice time has gone down two minutes since then. And he's, he looks like a, a very solid player to me. I don't, I don't know if it's a victim of being on a great team and he's just been pushed down the lineup into a different role. He's, I know he's a solid two way player, um, but he's a bit perplexing to me. And Chris, you had a cool, uh, some cool insights on Yanni Gord. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not that, um, He's an exceptional player. We're not talking about no. a groundbreaking Raider Point type no. player. Uh, but watching him in the playoffs last year, I thought he was fantastic. That line with uh, uh, Kalorn and uh, who else is on that line? Uh, uh, Coleman. Like, just they were beasts. Like, impossible to play against, fast, but they could also, you know, carry it up forward and, and do a lot of things. And I looked into him because we talked about, you know, why, why his ice time was down. And I, I honestly I don't have a good reason. He's an average offensive forward. He's not anything great, but defensively he's he's really quite strong. Like outside of Sorelli, he might be one of the like one of Tampa's best defensive forwards, and he does a lot to make sure people don't get shots from down low towards the slot. So it's the opposite of Leon Dreisaitl. And uh, <laughs> callback. I, I I it's I think I think his. His issue is exactly what you said, that he's playing on a team that has Sorelli and, and Braden Point. There's not a lot he can do to surpass that. Yeah. Like that's an exceptional like one two punch. Uh, but for any other team, I think having him on your second line, you're not in any pain. He's probably the best third line center I can think of right now. Uh so good for Tampa because 
uh, we all know the last thing they need is more offensive depth. Yeah, really. And like you mentioned too, in the playoffs, he was a big piece. He's, he's uh, as Bergevin would say, one of the guys that gets you through. Right. right. Like, and for, I think I'm looking at it right now. He got four without Stamkos and, and it's pretty like, good play. He, he Go had to fill that second line center for most of the playoffs because yeah. Point was hurt, right? So he and he, he did it well in the playoffs. There's not much more you can ask for. He's fun. he's an absolute absolutely fantastic player. Yeah, he is. All right, so we're going to transition to some uh, some Habs Leafs talk here. Um, out of the young guns and the new additions, how are you guys feeling uh, coming out of camp and after that first game? Chris, how are you feeling about the Leafs? I was very happy with the acquisitions they made in the offseason. Uh, obviously, TJ Brody playing with Riley instead of uh, the list of just below-average NHL defensemen. Yeah, more grounds to play with. So I, I went through this with you guys before. Uh, but basically, since he's been in the league, he's played with uh, Jake Gardner, Roman Polak, Matt Hunwick, Nikita Zaitsev, uh, Ron Hainsey, uh, Cody Cece, and Tyson Berry, none of which uh, will help Morgan Riley with the defenseman he is, which is a defenseman that does like to rush, and that's fine. How dare you to have a stable Roman partner like he has that. not had yet. <laughs> So I think I think Brody is, is as good as he can get as a partner right now. And and we know Dubas wanted him before because he tried to trade him for Kadri before the Barry trade. And Kadri had rejected that trade. So this is a guy that they've been looking at. Obviously, they think he can fit a certain role, which I would agree with. It looks like he will. Uh, based on that first game, I could tell you not once that I look at him and scream, what the fuck are you doing? So that, for me, is a great right start. Direction. Uh, because he, he allowed Riley bar, to do Chris. the things that he does best. <laughs> it, it, you know what? It, you laugh, but that bar was was not met for about the really ground. So. the ground. <laughs> so to see that was good. Uh, I'm excited for Thornton uh, Simmons. He'll be fun if he if he he says he's healthy again. If he's healthy again, uh, that could be a player with a lot of value, especially in the lower part of the lineup, which yeah. I hope he stays on because if he plays more than ten minutes a night, that's not a good idea. But he, he does things that, that the Leafs don't have. And I understand that analytics aren't all of it. And I am an analytics fan in hockey. So I get that I would be the first kind of person to say, hey, leadership means nothing, blah, blah, blah. There is some value to it. So having Spezza, Simmons, and Thornton is a great addition. I'm curious um, if I can just jump in for a second. I don't, I, I'm asking this off the top. I don't yeah. know if you have it in front of you, if you know. But do you know what Simmons' uh, advanced stats look like prior to getting Not hurt good. a couple years ago? It wasn't, eh? He's never had a good... Uh... Good outlook. Well, okay, hold on. Wait, he, it, it, the issue is with with players like Simmons and Van Riemsdyk has the same kind of situation where a lot of their most productive years are power play oriented. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always look good because five on five is most of the game. So if you're not like a, you know, if you have a lot of points and most of it's on the power play, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a play driver. And and, and in his case, that was the situation that like he was not a terrible player. And right now he, in the last year or so, has been a below average player i think he's negative uh 0.1 uh, uh war so yeah he hasn't been himself he's clearly been great but it's not like yeah so we'll roll bank on the fact that he's a bit healthier now since he's had 10 months off because he didn't play in the bubble either um but it's a very unlike the leafs under duvis so far acquisition where nothing about it would tell you okay this is the guy they need other than 
the leadership qualities that you can't necessarily account for. And the toughness. And the yeah, that I don't necessarily agree with all the time, but I understand that there is some value to having them on your team. If you don't think there's enough, that's fine. Dubas had this conference in the summer where he explained that every time he builds a team from the ground up, like he did in Susan Marie, like he did with the Marlies, he likes to do talent first, which I think is the best way to get things done. And then afterwards, add the things that he doesn't have. Yeah. In this case, a little bit of grit, a little bit of leadership, that's fine. If Simmons plays less than 10 minutes, this could be really good for the Leafs if it does those things that I don't understand. If he's playing 13, 14 minutes a night and he's not much healthier, then we're in trouble. And as for guys that we've never seen before, like for me, Nick Robertson, I think will end up playing every game. What a the fucking shot on that season. kid, eh? Yeah, they, the the fact that he can do that, that kind of from the fact that he's 5'9 or 5'10 or whatever it is, uh, he will be on this roster, and I honestly don't care who he takes out. I think he's going to be better than most of the guys that are playing right now. Uh, and Miko Lettinen, he didn't start yesterday, and Keith has been you know, uh, saying that he needs to adjust the North American ice more. Uh, this guy led the KHL as a def- in points as a defenseman, and this year before he left, he straight up led the KHL in points, period. So uh, this guy knows what he's doing, and he was playing against adults. It's not a child. He's 26. Yeah. Uh, I think he will be a big player, and I think he will run the second power play. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if him and Dermot take the spot um, that Hall is fighting for with Muzzin. Because there's the big three, so Muzzin, Riley, and, and Brody will play every game. I wouldn't be surprised if Dermot Lettman were fighting for that uh, Justin Hall spot, that bottom feeder of defensemen. The Hall, Dermot, Lettman, Bogosian, and Rasmus Sandin, those guys will all play about the same amount. But when push comes to sub, I'm pretty sure Lettman and Dermot will be playing at the year. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. And I mean, you've you've seen Sheldon Keefe already come out and say that he feels Lettman's ready for the power play. It almost feels like he pulled him out at the uh, at the end of training camp there as a, as a way to hammer home a point more than anything and just sort of give him that um, I don't know if you want to call it structure or what, just to 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 help him ease into it a little bit. But I think he's a, a tremendous player. I think he's going to have a big impact on the team. Ty, how are you feeling about the young guns and hey, uh, and new what? ads? Oh, the, I, there's one thing I forgot to mention was Thornton playing on the first line. Yes. Uh, I thought they were going to try and push him. But uh, yesterday, Hyman played more minutes than Thornton, and a third of Hyman's shifts were with Matthews and Marner. There you go. So it seems that the plan is to start Thornton there, but not have him play every shift, which I'm fine with. And yeah. that, if that's the case, that's fine. Yeah, that's smart coaching <clears throat> in my eyes. Ty, how are you feeling about the Habs? Um, I mean, pretty good. I think, I mean, we talked about Romanov earlier, so there's there's no need to dive too deep in, on him anymore, um, or anymore, sorry. Um, but I thought, for starters, Anderson is a fucking stud. That mm-hmm. guy is an absolute wagon on the ice. I think, I think, I think he finally, I know we talked about it before, and, and I know, like, people kind of talked about it um, during training camp. Like, the, that whole, like, oh, he's fast. Um, like his speed caught a lot of people off guard, but I think last night was finally the time where everybody saw just how fast this guy actually is. Um, and Spence, did you have a, I think you had a quote from Bergevin about that, didn't you? About his speed? Uh, I don't yeah. know if I said it, I don't have it in my head right now. 
Do I think? Okay, well, I remember. I, I think, hold on. I, I think. I think I had read it too. I think it was Arpin Basu who said, uh, "We're not talking about fast for yes. big guy. We're, We're talking, talking about fast. fast yeah. Period. Yeah. He yeah. he he's an absolute truck out there, um, but he's good at hockey. And I think, you know, it was a breath of fresh air. I think his second goal where he took off down the left side and he just blew past people. I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I, 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 he was incredibly impressive. I think Suzuki was an, just showed that he, he's still progressing in the right direction. Um, I think what he did, did to Morgan Riley was really mean. I don't think that was something that was, that was, that was, you know, I, 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 I felt bad for Morgan Riley after the McDavid thing. After this one, he's going to have to seriously go, go get his, go get his, go get his legs checked. Out, that was, <laughs> That there's not many times you see you'll see that guys pull moves around people, but Suzuki went through him. That was very impressive. He looked good out there. KK looked good. He didn't look flashy, but he looked smart. He looked he made some he great looked confident. Plays. Yeah, he made he made the small moves. He made yeah. all the right little small things that you're looking for him. You know the points will come eventually. That's not what we're looking for right now. We're looking for a guy who's confident with the puck, who makes the right decisions. Who, who knows how to move the puck? And I, and I think he he showcased last night that that you know he he likes Suzuki. He's he's progressing in the right way. Um, and I mean I, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't give my boy Drew a nice little shutout. He was a fucking animal last night. I think you know three assists, um, and not just three like bounce off his butt to the other guy in front of net assists. Like three nice assists. He was smart in the D zone. Um, you know, I, I don't want to hear any any arguments about that. That that you know what though? No, I'm, I'm going to cut you off here because you just yeah. took a shot at Morgan Riley. I got to give Chris a chance to give a shot at Jonathan Drouin here. <laughs> but there's no shot to have. There's no uh, shot to have. You can't take a shot when you're I, good. I mean, he saw the referee and then shot at him anyways. It's a bad luck bounce, but he did have a bounce. little bit of time to do something else. Well, I mean, we're talking about a guy who who is still trying to adapt that part of his game. He's still he's still trying to grow in that area. So, like, if you want to say that he saw the referee and he still rushed his shot, like, I get, I, I could, I could, I can make time for that argument. But I, the, I, I will stand my ground that he was in the right place. His, his, his heart was in the right place. He had the right intentions. Just a bad luck, bad timing, just a bad bounce. That could happen to McDavid. That could happen to Crosby. That happens to the best of them. Um, I don't think it should take anything away from uh, the except, kind of game except, he played. Except for Dreisaitl, where he does it on purpose. Right. Well, Dreisaitl <laughs> does it on purpose. Um, yeah, almost to piss off the analytics crew. Almost just to piss off the analytics crew. But yeah, no, like I said, he, he I thought... No, to piss off the Islanders fans. Yeah. Piss off I'll tell you who we're pissing off is fucking Oilers fans tonight. <laughs> But um, no, I, I like I said, I wouldn't be doing my job properly if I didn't give Drew a, a nice little shutout. I think if we're looking, if we're looking for him to to grow as a player, if 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 you watch the Habs game and you say you didn't notice him, but he still ends up on the score sheet, that means he's doing the right things. Yeah. If you didn't notice him, but he's still he's still contributing, he's doing the right things. Um, you know, I will say this, and this is just sorry, a side note on him. The moment that that referee bounce happened, all I could think was, of course, it had to be him. It had to be the guy that we've been so hyper-focused on just his confidence and the mental side of the game. 
that it had to be the one. It had to be the one that people are already worried. You know, he 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 he's he's too anxious. He's already anxious enough on the on the ice. And it, you know what I mean? It just had to happen. So you never want it to happen, but it had to happen to the guy that already seems to have the hardest time with the mental side of the game. I love so much that we've dedicated literal minutes to talking about a puck bouncing off a referee. Um, well, I've had luck. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. We, yeah, I thought they like overall. I thought the Montreal played great last night. I thought uh, it was it was an exciting team to see. I feel like I've got hope uh, for them as a, a future contender. That's yeah. realistic for the first yeah. time in probably my entire life. So, although I will say this, and I don't know, Chris, you, I'm sure you might have looked into this a bit deeper. Somebody who did not seem to have the best game that last night uh, was the captain Weber. Oof. Mm. He was no, his his foot speed didn't look great, and I and I, I sent it to you guys. In his yeah. goals yesterday, he was about forty four, which is not great. But he, sorry, we're talking about Durant. Like like he he had a great game. Like that line with Suzuki and Anderson, I sent it to you guys. Uh, just opening night stuff. So obviously one game sample size. And we're talking about Romanov. It's not great, but goals four percentage, uh, sixty nine, uh, shots four yeah. percentage, uh, seventy five, uh, Fenwick four seventy six, Corsi four sixty six. And expected goals at eighty four percent. Like that's these are those were elite level lines, and they did not get put against Kerfoot. Like they were playing against Matthews. Like yeah. like they they did that against high level talent. That those are really good results for again one game, but really good results that I wouldn't have expected, especially for a line that had Drew on it. And yeah, well, Suzuki I'm, and Center. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And like I said, like you said, it's um, it's one game. You you have to take it with a grain of salt. But, um, like I mentioned before, if he's if 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 the game ends and you say you didn't see him out there, but he ends up on the score sheet, he's doing the right things. Yeah, um, I'll tell you. And just to touch on the Weber thing. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say that to touch on the Weber thing. I saw him. He looked atrociously slow. I'm not gonna lie though. At the start of the season, I was kind of expecting it. These older guys, like it's tough. They they they. they I know I'm listening to all the every other podcast they're all talking about. A lot of these older guys, you know, they don't have the, the the training camp's not as long. There's no preseason. Like they kind of have to jump into it. They're kind of all being forced into action right away. So I'm I'm not surprised to see that Weber's a little bit slower. Um, it is going to take these older guys a bit of time to get the legs warmed up. Uh, the, the, the the interesting part of that 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 wrinkle is that uh, the older veterans of the NHL are the guys that say they don't want to have the nine preseason games or whatever, six is the usual one. So to see that they're struggling at the beginning, because it's not just him. Like, I don't think Jake Muzzin had a good game last nope. night. Uh, I don't think uh, uh, Thornton had a particularly good game last night. Like, the guys that you would think don't need the camp because they're the ones that are most used to it, they seem yeah. to need it the most. The young guys, they're just already skating. Yeah, they're ready to go. One guy that I'm excited about this year, and I, I missed the end of the first and all of the second last night, so I didn't get a, a very good look at him. But in general, I'm excited for Jake Evans this year. That's he's such a spark club. He had a really good camp, um, and I'm I'm, I'm excited yeah. for him. I think this is the future three three C for the Montreal Canadiens. I think he's going to be the 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 third line center possibly as early as next year. Um, and I, I love that you got. I think I don't know if it was Julian or Bergevin coming out and saying. I think it was Julian. Uh, praising his his abilities and saying if he keeps going with the confidence that he has and believing in his abilities the way he is, he's gonna open a lot yeah. of people's eyes this year. And he's he's I just love the kid. A seventh round draft pick out of what I think it was in twenty fourteen, I wanna say. 
and he's just steadily every year, whatever level he's performed and done well. When he's on the ice, you notice him. He's got a ton of energy. Yep. Jake Evans is uh, is is a spark plug that I'm looking forward to. And also, I mean, he's a gift that keeps on giving. They put him on the taxi squad. They open up money when he's not playing. It's amazing. Uh, we're gonna move on to uh, to goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. I have a little bit to say on this one. We're no, he's good. He's easy. First, yeah. Uh, I I just 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 one little thing on Jake Evans. Yeah. I sent it to you guys the other day too. The uh, Brett Marshall, who had made a summation of war and uh, goal scored versus the average NHL player, and that fourth line, the Habs fourth line, ranked as the best fourth line in the NHL. There you go. So Byron, Jake Evans, and Arturi Lekkinen, they're a full point. They're I mean, a full composite point line, right? like, ahead of any other line in, in those metrics put together. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, goaltending. We're going to start talking about the Leafs goaltending first. I want to talk about Freddie Anderson a little bit here. Freddie Anderson, I think, gets way too much hate um, and I think it's bullshit, honestly. I think this guy's stats throughout his career have been so fucking consistent. And even if you look at the play, I think he's had he did have one bad playoff with the with the Leafs. But you look at the other last year and the year before, his numbers have been, in my eyes, elite. You know, like he's been a great goalie in the playoffs for them, and he's given them those opportunities. I think those, you know, the quote unquote bad goals at the wrong time. Well, if you had fucking taken advantage of the 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 opportunities that he gave you to keep you in the game earlier in the series, you're not going to be worried about the fucking bad goal that goes in in game seven. Um, yep. I think he's going to have a bounce yeah, back. Don't leave, don't not, leak, don't leave Jake DeBrusk alone for 20 minutes. For yeah, well, that's exactly it, right. There's what there's much more to it than just fucking blame <laughs> Freddie Anderson. Um, I think he's going to have a bounce back here. He had a 909 save percentage in a down year last year, and you know we were talking about Bennington putting up a 912 and how that's you know serviceable. I think 909 is actually not that bad you look at like goalies like Braden Holpe who were sub 900 um which isn't to say he had a good season I know like he did not have a very good season last year but I really I love Freddie Anderson I think he's a great goalie I think he's gonna have a big year this year um and I don't like the hate that he gets Chris you've you've we've had a good conversation on this you can go ahead yeah I, I think in the last five years Freddie Anderson's been a top five NHL goalie yeah. just period um but he does get a lot of flack and, and I'll I'll tell you this uh uh September, October, November, maybe not November, but September, October, uh, Freddie Anderson is usually not very good. So I will assume for the month of January, he's not great. Uh, why that is every year, I could not tell maybe you. It's a but this thing. guy puts up a 917 every year in a league where the save percentage keeps going down, his stays consistent. So even though it's just a 917, the fact that it's getting better compared to the average yeah. for me tells you all you need to know about him. He's been good. And not only has he been good, he's been good on that Leafs team that always gives up everything all the yeah. time. Yeah. So uh, the defense is bad. They don't help him. Uh, the forwards, I think, have gotten better defensively, but obviously still not perfect. Um, he's done a lot of that work. Like 2016, 2017, they don't make the playoffs without Freddie. Like the next year, they don't make the playoffs without Freddie. I think uh, – last year was the first time the team outperformed him and that could also be because the backup was Hutchinson who could not win a game so having Jack Campbell this year being able to give Freddie you know 25 30 games off this year hopefully like maybe closer to 25 just because there's only 56 games just to be able to give him a little bit more rest than he has he's played the most minutes out of any goalie I think in the last five years yeah so the rest is not is not helping, and you can't win with a goalie that's uh, dead tired. And I think finally having a backup that'll that'll make things easier for Freddie. I thought the uh, again, the I got no problem with him nice and, and Jack. Yeah, 
Aaron Dell as your third goalie is a, is a good position to be in. I, I really loved uh, the Leafs offseason. I thought yeah, Dubas I, did a really good job, and that's that's one little sneaky move that I that I give him a lot of credit for. And he kept Hutchinson, who's had a history of playing you know significantly better than he did last he, year. So yeah, and and the 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 decision not to put Dell on waivers, yeah, because he would have been gone. He would have, yeah, for sure. Well, so yeah, and, kept yeah. It, keeping all three on the active roster was was the right call. And I, I mean, I. I I got a hundred percent faith in Dubas, so I wouldn't. Uh, I wasn't even going to question him, but the fact that he did that was was nice as well. Yeah. Well, and just to like touch on like what you're saying about his numbers in the last five years, he, he first in starts and third in wins. Like yeah. that's, you know, like again, and like like you said, on a Leafs team that everyone made fun of for not playing defense. Yeah, so they're I not don't a defense know... first team. Sorry. They're not a defense first team. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, like at a certain point. You know, and I mean, I'll dive into this a bit more when we get to price, but like goalies do get that short end of the stick where people tend to forget that, like, you know, when you're younger and like, I don't know, like I played goal in the first year hockey and like, boy, did that suck. I did not have, Chris, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I'm not very mentally strong. Uh, Spence will probably learn this as we get to know each other. Mm, I'm, I'm a mental, mental strength is not my forte, <laughs> so I did not last as a goaltender, but um like I, you, you remember that like that 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 you always hear when you're younger, like oh if it if it goes through you, it, it went through five other people first. And yet in the in the NHL, it seems like that's just not a thing people talk about. People don't focus on, on 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 like you know what I mean, like like Anderson. We'll touch on the price too. Like it just seems like they, like everyone expects them, to just do it on their own. Well, and look, they don't look 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 at last night. I'll give you the perfect example because ties 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 100 correct here. Uh, last night on the PK where the Tatar scored his, his yeah. goal, yeah. Uh, that was the second breakaway in 30 seconds. Exactly. Like he, yeah. he had he had he had stopped the first one, yeah. and the second one goes in, and all of the world is screaming, "Ah, oh, Freddie sucks!" But I mean, it was the second breakaway in 30 yeah, seconds. I, There's yeah, not exactly. much more you can ask for. There's a disconnect in logic for sure. It's brutal. Let's it's jump brutal. to uh, to Montreal's goaltending. Ty, how you feeling? Uh, pretty good, I think. I mean, they brought in Jake Allen, which I know we've talked about um, before in the past. Um, I think, knock on wood, because I've heard this before, countless times before, I think Jake Allen is finally the backup that Carey Price needs. Um, he, he In 24 games last year, he put up a, a 927 save percentage, which is not just good. That is extremely good. That is very good, along with a 250 goals against. I know goals against doesn't take him very seriously. It's very subjective. But still, those are very, very good numbers. Um, yeah, he went 24. He won 12 of the 24. And I mean, even before that, his worst season since coming into the league, he, he had a 905. You know, which again, isn't, it's nothing to write home about. But that's also, like you said earlier, Spence, that's serviceable. That you can work with a 905, you know. Um, but I think the biggest thing with this Jake Allen move, it, it's it's not as much of what's Jake Allen going to bring to the table and more how much rest is that? Well, how much rest is Carey Price going to get from that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if, if Jake Allen, if Jake Allen can, can can come in and just play the bare minimum, just not even not even be stellar, just play the bare minimum and get Carey Price the rest he needs. I think based off last year, um, in 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 that short little playoff bubble, and Chris, I believe you have the numbers for him with this. Um, Price has shown that when he's rested, when he's healthy, he's he can still be the goalie that everyone knows him thinks of him you know he can still if carry press and i like spence i know you and i you and i were texting a while back 
you can't he's the kind of goalie you can't bet a, bet against he he just seems to have it in him that if he if he's given the chance to be the best goalie in the world he can still be the best goalie in the world and to give you an idea last season he played 58 games okay 58 games the next closest is Charlie Lingren and Keith Kincaid. They both played six each, and then Caden Primo played two. That is disgusting. It can't that is atro- That is atrocious. I don't care if you're paying him. I don't care if his contract is what his con. I don't care if his contract is high as it is. Like overplaying him just because of how much his contract costs is not the answer. Because no, if, and it's if, a long-term if, contract, too. So exactly, to, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it, There's no point on forcing him in net because he's making the kind of money he's making. If he's going to not... I, I'd rather him play at a reduced level, but at a, at a reduced rate, but at a higher level, than just throw him in every chance we get and just hope that maybe we get the carry price that we, that we hope, that we want. You know? I, I, would say, I would say one of the things that, what, that I wanted to be clear about last year is... It, I don't think they played him, you know, 58 games because he's a $10 million goalie. No, no they played him 58 games because because the the the, backup the, the most amount of wins for your backups last year was two wins. Yeah, that's a, with a 333 goals against and a and an 888 save percentage. Yeah, it was they, they didn't play him because he's coming up. They played him because there was no other option. No, yeah, no, and I'm not saying that they played him that much because of his contract, but that is that is a an argument that you hear bounced around a lot throughout these throughout hockey discussion like i'm not talking i i'm sure the habs are aware that they have to give him the rest bergevin's known this for years that price needs the rest to be able to play at the level that we want him to play at but i'm just saying that 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 they, i've heard a lot of people try to argue that he just needs to play as much as possible because of his contract and that's just that's detrimental that makes absolutely no sense there's yeah. no value in that. There's no, no value. I, I don't think, and I don't think he would think that uh, that either. Honestly, it's uh, he tried and failed, man. I, I tell you, I hope he got him some nice fucking mattresses over the years to get him some rest because he sure as hell wasn't getting him a good backup goalies. Um, Seriously, Jake Allen, I, I completely agree that this year. I mean, if he can, he, his numbers last year, he had a high nine twenty save percentage. If he can just put up between a nine ten and a nine fifteen, playing serviceable, keeping teams in there or keeping the team in there and allowing them to to, to win, I think. Yeah that alone is going to be a win. And that's that's a big drop-off from his numbers last year. He played quite a bit, even in the playoffs last year. And this is a guy who struggled with mental toughness over the years, and he lost his starting job because of that. And he was a good starter for a couple of years, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And in the playoffs last year, he filled in for Bennington. He had, I mean, two, two wins, two losses, but he had a 9.35 save percentage, 1.89 goals against average. I mean, he had a great year last year. Again, we don't need him to be that good. Um, but if he's... Close, even close to that ballpark, he's doing his job and he's giving the Canadians what they need. And it, it, can you imagine if he is playing at that level? Can you imagine we get the Jake Allen from last year. That's yeah. that's scary for the yeah. team that we just saw last night. So that's well, uh, that's that's exciting to me. I, I'm really I'm, I'm so thrilled that we finally have what appears to be a very good yeah. backup goalie that it, it, it's difficult to debate about. You know. Kincaid, you could debate. Yeah. Like it seemed like at first it was wishful thinking. We thought Kincaid <clears throat> might be the guy. He did have some success doing, you know, okay as a Jersey starter as a fill-in. But you know, he, Jake Allen's not Keith Kincaid. One hundred percent. And there is that side of it too, where you know, like if if uh, there's the mental, there's the mental side to it, where if Jake Allen does come in and he does, you know, continue 
the the path that he was on last year. Like you have to think that hopefully that lights a bit of a fire under Price. I understand that that's a very subjective argument to make. I understand that hockey players and athletes, like that you you don't bet money on athletes just becoming inspired like that. But like like there's it's no secret that Carey Price is a competitive person. You know, you don't get to the level and you don't get to to his kind of recognition without being a competitive person. So Jake Allen does come in and and is exactly what he was last year in St. Louis. Like you got to imagine that Carey Price is going to sit at a, sit back and think like shit. Like because Montreal is not afraid that like if they like Jake Allen, they'll play Jake Allen. Yeah, you know they'll they'll keep him in net and and they, they've done that in the past. Even when Price is the starter, Price isn't playing well. They'll put him on the bench. They don't care. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to the uh, trade rumor du jour or du week, if we should say. It's it's really hot today. We just heard uh, Nick Kiprios come out and say that uh, yeah. the Montreal Canadians, yeah. fire. Montreal oh and uh, and Winnipeg are the two teams that are the front runners for Dubois. It seems to be heating up. Apparently, Montreal is his number one destination, and apparently, Nick Suzuki is the centerpiece plus something else <laughs> if that trade's going to happen. So. It's been a bit of a shit show on hockey Twitter. I made a, I made a comment on someone else's tweet, and I swear to I God, saw that. I, I, I saw that. I couldn't keep up. My my fucking Twitter yeah. couldn't keep up with the notifications. It was insane. So it's it's been crazy. I'm I'm not sure where I stand on this. I look at Dubois and I see a really really good player. He's 22 years old, one year older than Nick Suzuki. He's been doing. He's been filling that first line center role in Columbus for longer than Nick Suzuki has in Montreal. He's got a high ceiling. We don't know exactly what it's going to be yet. Um, if we're talking one for one, I am listening very hard and I understand why Kiko Linen wouldn't do that. When there's that plus attached, that's where I get scared because I do look at Suzuki and KK and see two players that have the potential to be as good or better than Dubois at the same time. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever if Dubois became the better player. So if there's that plus involved, I'm, I'm, I'm worried you know, we talked about PTSD from past past traumas with the Canadians. That's with the the, the history of, of losing trades involving big Quebecois players. That scares me. You know, like I'm worried that that could be the the it could be another Sergachev type trade, especially if there's something yeah. else on that. But I definitely don't think this is an offer that you should fucking just kick aside immediately because it involves Nick Suzuki or even if it was Kakanyemi. I, I really think you need to be thinking long and hard on this. It's it's making it's giving me a lot of pause. I'm curious what you guys think, Chris. What's your take on this trade? Like just doing research on Suzuki just for fun. Like, um, you know, we were talking about the hockey viz stuff. Like Nick Suzuki is uh, actually 15% better than the rest of the Canadians in his own end. Uh, surprisingly, very good defensively and. Pierre-Luc Dubois is about 8% better than the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are notably a very good defensive team. The difference is, uh, on offense, Pierre-Luc Dubois is actually quite better than Suzuki, just from last year. I get that Suzuki's just a rookie. But what I would say is um, the eternal joke that I sent to Tyler today, because it's very appropriate. Both Nick Suzuki and Kokaniemi are possibly going to be a first-line center. Yeah. Right? It could be both of them become that. It could be one. It could be neither. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a first-line center. So we come to the joke of, uh, you know, Peter Griffin gets uh, the option of picking a boat or a magic box. The magic box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Or you could pick the boat. Uh, I'm picking the boat. Taking the magic box. So 
if it's KK, I don't think I even flinch at all. For Pierre-Luc Dubois, I would give you more. Suzuki, I understand why you wouldn't want to give more. One for one, I would probably do it anyways. One, you know, Suzuki plus something. I guess it would depend on the something. Uh, but I think I would do it anyways. The Habs don't have a game-changing first-line center. I don't care how good you think Nick Suzuki is. That's not what he is yet. Yeah. And Pierre-Luc Dubois already is that. And That's, if we're talking about age discrepancy, it's not like you're trading... A 26-year-old for a 21-year-old. Uh, no. And that's what a lot of people are talking about. It's already right interrupting. You're hearing a lot of people talk about this guy. Like, he's a 27-year-old whose ceiling is 65 points. Like, he's, he's a year older than Nick Suzuki. Yeah, he's young. Like, like yeah. So, he's one year older, and he's already what you want Suzuki to be. Yeah. You're not losing that trade, in my opinion. Yeah. I was I was curious, and... and Ty, I know you're not necessarily on board for trading Suzuki for Dubois... If that plus, say it was plus plus, but you've got a pro, say it's Suzuki, uh, a mid-level prospect for the sake of it, let's say uh, Elonen, yes, yes, Elonen, and Joel Edmondson, and I don't think it's going to happen. You never see a GM trade a guy he just signed. But if that's the case, I know Chris, obviously you would, you know, immediately take this. But Ty, what do you think about that? If if we were able to, or if Bergeron was able to to fit in, um. A, an Edmondson or something like that that would actually help the cap situation in other areas as well. And with Suzuki? Yeah, so uh, say Suzuki, I, a mid-level I, prospect, and, and someone like Edmondson. You see, I still wouldn't no, I, um, pull the trigger on it. I think, like we touched on earlier, I'm still not set on throwing in the towel on Edmondson. Um, <clears throat> and I just... Chris and I were talking about it earlier, and I think I mentioned this the last time when we spoke about this, because these rumblings have, have been going on for a, a couple of days now. Um, when I say no to Kakanyemi, I am strictly speaking from the heart. That is 100% just my love for that man. Nothing. More. Do I think, do I think hockey wise, he can become, become as good, if not better than Dubois? Of course. But when I'm saying, but like, if I was the G like, I would understand why that trade would be made because that would be a perfect analogy. That would tie in perfectly with Chris's boat magic box thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that obviously with the two of them, you're getting a, a better, uh, a more certain thing with Dubois. Um, so when I say no for KK, strictly from the heart. When I say no for Suzuki, that is because I am genuinely willing to bet money that he will turn out to be a better, to be as good, if not better, than Dubois. I hmm. think he has already shown, he showed it last year, and he's shown, it, shown obviously one game in. Um, but I would be confident betting money that he would pan out to be a better sentiment than Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. And I understand I, that. I'm just, I'm just going to say this right now. Tyler, yeah. I've written this down, yeah. and I'm going to remind you of this That's day fine. for the rest of your life. That is 100% fine. <laughs> that I'm expecting, I would expect nothing less, Chris. 100%. Um, so, sorry, Chris, uh, sorry, Spence. Long long answer short for the very simple question that you had asked me um if i was the gm of the montreal canadians i would make that trade but if i'm speaking directly from my heart right now i would not make that trade i think there is a chance again we talked about kk uh, before when they drafted him he was 18 years old he was only supposed to come in two years he was only supposed to come in this season they they put him in right away 
and and he he didn't look out of place. He looked good. He had a bit of a slump in his in his sophomore season. That's not unheard of. But he he he's already shown like the the prog- the progression he's made from his second season to the playoff bubble to now his third season. Like they, he doesn't even look like the same player. No. So even with KK, I would be hesitant to make that move. Yeah, and I think um, that echoes a lot of the the sentiments that Habs fans are saying. I also want to make clear it, that that I don't think. Edmonton, it's time to throw in the towel with him. I mean, we, we, he, we've made our bed with him. He's, he's our guy. Oh, um, 100%. But I, do, I just found it interesting. If I had that thought earlier tonight because I look at, you know, between Kulak, uh, Mete, and, and Romanov, I see three guys yeah. who can play in the top four and that are maybe better suited than Edmonton is to play in the top four. So it was just yeah. a thought that popped in my head as a way to, you know, wash your hands of him and get that yeah. off your your cap. Yeah. But I mean, again, like Kika line, a hell of a hard GM to, to make a deal with. And he's not fucking stupid. You're you put a guy like that in the deal. It's not going to, you know, it's not, oh. you're going to need to sweeten the pot. I think it would, and even cap wise, I don't think it would work if you just put Edmondson. I think it would need to be Edmondson plus some other guys for the cap yeah. gymnastics and a couple picks to, to deal with. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be a lot. Yeah. hundred percent. And and again, like it's just to touch on it. Like, I don't like, I understand. Well, two things. Spence, you you hit the nail on the head. If that's even a fucking saying, you hit you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said PTSD about past trades not working out. And you're right. There's probably about eighty five percent of me right now that is strictly strictly speaking for my sheer fear of having to live through another Dwayne Sergachev saga. Yeah. Um. Because, like, I don't like even like. Like, I don't know if you guys remember, even when they made that trade, like, yes, a lot of people knew what Montreal was giving up, but a lot of people who now hate Dwayne were so on board for that trade. Yeah. And then it was just, they turned so fast. They turned so fast because it didn't work out the way they had hoped. So yeah, I, I mean, and Drew did play a role in that, but yeah. no, he did. I, 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 and that's why I wrote in my piece. Like, I know I'm, I, I'm not saying that he's not at fault. Like, he's not done himself any favors in many yeah. ways. But, um, yeah. But but and and again, like, I, like you, Spence, you mentioned how you sent out a tweet and your phone blew up with notification. Like I read, I read the Habs, I read the Habs fans' reactions to them freaking out about uh, the, the the jackets asking for Suzuki and KK. Um, and like I I don't know why they're freaking out so much. That's what obviously what they're gonna ask for. Like that's that's that. They, you, it's like negotiations between teams and players. You go for the top because you're not expecting. You go for it as much as you can because you're not necessarily expecting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, the, I mean, the jackets you might. What the do you, what do you expecting people? they're going to ask for? Honestly, like if you, you think they're going to give Pierre Luc Dubois away for like a first round pick, Paul Byron and uh, exactly. like Ben Chirot? Like no, you're, they're, you, he's a cornerstone player. You're going to get a cornerstone player. We exactly. spent a little bit too much time on this though. We're going to move ahead to uh, to women's yeah. hockey coverage here. Chris, uh, I'm going to let you take the take the reins here because you're going to be spearheading this initiative. So one of the things that I, I had asked uh, the guys here and the guys at Hot Sauce Sports is that if I came on to this, I would uh, be able to put a lot of emphasis on uh, the women's game. It's something that uh, I'm very passionate about, and I think it's uh, our job to uh, push it forward and not just have women stand up for themselves, but us, you know, get that out there too, that there is a lot of good hockey to watch in this. And, yeah. Uh, I, I really do think that it's important and, and not just seeing them every four years of the Olympics, seeing them when they do play. Uh, so we're going to focus on that a lot this year. And then it, going in the future, that's going to be my main, uh, more than the leaps, I think even I'm going to do most of my stuff with this. So just right off the bat, we'll talk about a few things that are going to happen soon. So 
Uh, the NWHL bubble is uh, coming up, so they're going to do a two-week condensed playoff-type situation. So they'll have their uh, small season, and then uh, uh, they'll have their final. So from January 23rd to February 5th, they'll be in a bubble together. Uh, this is the first season for the Toronto Six, which is probably going to be our team. Just it's the only Canadian team we got to rep the country that we live in. Uh, and for the first time, they'll be broadcasted on NBC, which is a huge, huge, huge deal for the women's yeah. game. Yeah. The semifinals and the finals on February 4th and 5th, they will be aired on TV. You'll be able to watch these athletes play uh, uh, for the first time on a large broadcast that's not the Olympics. Um, if you're looking interested in watching the rest of the games, the Toronto Six, their first game is January 23rd uh, at 1. The rest of the games are going to be on Twitch. So you can watch them on Twitch throughout the bubble, uh, which is where I'll be watching most of my games and doing my post-game report cards like I'm going to do for the Leafs this year. Um, and uh, so that's that's big, big news for them. A lot of those players are really, really pumped. Um, and I'm doing my best to get in contact with some of those people too so that we can have them on for you guys and, and uh, you can hear from those voices as well because I think uh, they're some of the most important voices in the game right now. This is a large part of the game that goes unnoticed. And I'm telling you, these are incredible athletes. There is uh, no reason for them to get the flack they do about the sport they love because they're fucking good at it. They're fucking good at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have to acknowledge also that the PWHPA is the organization that has the uh, uh, the athletes that you'll probably recognize most. So Hillary Knight, uh, Cofield, uh, um, or Schofield, sorry, and uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain. This is... Um, a union that's working towards improving the game in a more sustainable way. Now we know that there's a large rift between uh, the NWHL and the PWHPA and the way that those athletes see the game going forward. I don't think we have um, the business. Like, I don't think it is our job to tell them how they should improve their game. They know more than we do. Our job is to make sure that they're heard. So I'm going to be doing my best to cover both. Uh, I had mentioned that NWHL, well, it's just as important to, mem the, to mention the Dream Gap Tour for the PWHPA. They got two huge sponsors this year. They got real prize money for the first time. So Secret Deodorant and Scotiabank really pushed investments this year. I think they're both about a million dollars each, which is an insane amount of money, which is great for those athletes. And they'll be able to play for uh, actual value as opposed to just showcases. And I think uh, right now, some of the, the women in that union are playing against uh, university, or, uh, high school and university teams uh, out west. So when I get more info on that, I'll, I'll bring that out too, uh, to you too. I really couldn't find their their bubble dates. I don't know why I was having trouble with that, but that's something that they're working on. So when I get those, I'll, I'll bring them out too. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we just wanted to make sure that you guys know this is going to be part of what we do here. Absolutely. Uh, that it's important for us. And, and the next podcast will probably already have games to talk about. We might do it in the middle of the bubble. So we'll be able to tell you exactly how I feel about uh, the Sixes performance and, and uh, all that fun stuff. And, and just as a small side note, uh, the NWHL president um, or former president now, she's going to be the uh, uh, VP of the AHL. Really? So these are people who, yeah, these are these are people who. Uh, um, let me find her name because I always forget her name. Elliot uh, Elliot Friedman was talking about her on the pod a while ago on uh, Thirty One Thoughts. I can't yeah, her name either. Haley Moore. Haley yeah. Moore. Yeah. Sorry, that, that's on, that's my fault. I should definitely know Haley Moore. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's going to be the 
chief executive officer, sorry, uh, Haley Moore is going to be the vice president of hockey operations for the AHL next year. That's amazing. I guess as of going forward right now, which is very recent news, but like, I think it's exactly three days ago. Like these are smart people that are in these leagues and yeah. uh, they get, they get almost no credit. So Absolutely. And it's no we're here to let that, you know yeah. that they'll be, they'll be getting credit for here from us here. Yeah. And we'll and keep we're pushing that till, to till we can't that. push anymore. Yeah. We're, uh, we're happy to be doing that and we're, we're excited to be doing that. Honestly, I'm excited to be able to see more of these games on TV, uh, watching uh, the skills competition game. Well, the skills competition itself um, and the, the, the game we saw between uh, Canada and the States, it was phenomenal hockey. And like, like you said, like the, the, the drop off on, and skill level, I mean, what are you going to point to? Look at how they did in the skills competition. They were phenomenal and it was, it was very exciting to watch. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to be, to be getting more into it myself. I know you are too, Tyler, and it's, it's going to be a, a very cool year. And I'm, I'm more than anything stoked that we can help to, to grow this game in some, in some way. Um, because like you said, it, the, it only, the only drop off comes from people that don't actually understand hockey. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't first. think you can argue that at all. Yeah. Nope. These these are these are real hockey players, they're real athletes, and in my lifetime, we will see a woman in the NHL. I have no doubt about that at all. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on to awesome. uh, to our little outro here. We're going to look at some interesting matchups and storylines for the league uh, for the upcoming month and for the upcoming season. If you guys have anything that applies to either of those two, feel free to voice them. Chris, we're going to start. Actually, let's go with Ty. Ty, let's go with you first. Uh, exciting rivalries. I mean, it, it's got to be. <clears throat> just the Canadian division. That's going to be wild. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be like, like I said uh, earlier, I joked around about it between us three. Uh, if there's ever a time to be a Sens fan, it's right now because your team's not expected to do, to do anything. Um, and they, they just get to sit back and, and watch the rest of the rest of Canada uh, catch fire. I guess you could say <laughs> when, um, you know, because the Sens are absolute dog shit, and there's no art denying it. I don't know if you guys saw that they uh, during their inter-squad game the other day, their team A team, which is all the guys that they expected to play in the that they expect to play in the NHL this year, almost lost their team B team, which is which their team B team consists mainly of guys who are either going to be on the taxi squad or playing the NHL this season. So that is a beautiful hockey team. They got a lot. You know what? They I'm going to jump going. in here because the last time we talked about this, you had actually a pretty rosy way of looking at it for them, that it's actually a great time to be a Sens fan. And I want to jump in and say that because it was a good point. Like the Sens have nothing to lose this year. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. No, no, you do it. It was, it was your No, words. no, no. Well, I was just going to say that, it's, you know, like, it's just genuinely be fun for them. If Tim Stutzel comes out and lights it up, oh, that's man. fun. If, Kachuk comes out and, and he takes that, that that next step. It's fun. If, if you know Matt Murray is a nice story, you hope he can bounce back uh, from from what happened with him in Pittsburgh. You know Thomas Shabbat tends to be a guy that a lot of people forget because he doesn't play in the biggest market. He's and he so, doesn't play on necessarily the best. So good, like Thomas Shabbat. People have forgotten about him after last year, but holy hell, like this kid is being slept on. Yeah, well, Chris is the guy. Chris is the one who put me on him. I, I genuinely did not fully understand exactly how good he was until Chris showed me. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, like it, it's just, it, it's an exciting, I guess you could say it's an exciting time to be a Sens fan in the sense that your team, like they are headed in the right direction. They got a lot of good things in the works, um, but they don't have to deal with the stress of being taken seriously in yeah. this all Canadian division where it's going to be, we thought hockey Twitter was toxic for this. This oh, is going to get yeah, ugly. Already it was already good. ugly last night and it was one game. So... With the, you know? with the Sens, I mean, if I'm a Sens fan, I'm hoping for the same thing I was hoping uh, hoping for last year when the, the Habs were, yeah. you know, 
unofficially, officially out of the playoffs is that I, I want them to battle their asses off. I want the young guys in there playing their asses off, but I want them to lose. I would love to see that team get another high draft pick and just fucking take off from there, but have a season where they were really battling and it showed you could clearly see some improvements. So that's what I'm hoping for for the Sens this year. I'm so excited yeah. for their future, man. Yep. I just I just want to see Tim Stutzel play. Ah, Tim Stutzel, oh, he's, he's going to be special. Play hockey. Yeah. Uh, Chris, let's go to you. So mine, mine are uh, less cheery than Tyler's. Mine are mostly just jabs at, at people. So, <laughs> oh, surprise, uh, surprise! But, yeah, I got, I got a good, I got a good fun one though. It actually involves the Senators. So my first rivalry is uh, Eugene Melnick versus the <laughs> Ontario <laughs> Rules for COVID regulations. Where this guy, not not more than an hour after uh, Ontario announced its new laws, this guy wanted six thousand fans in this in the building. Jeez, Sir, that's not that. going to happen. It is not the time to ask for that. He's so a fucking Eugene wonderkind when it comes to making bad moves with PR. It's amazing to me that this guy does the things that he does. It's he's a fucking savant. Yeah, he's he's a mess. Uh, so another one I had was uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Montreal Canadiens fans' expectations. Interesting coming uh, from the Leafs. I, I love that. Oh, the Leafs fans <laughs> will tell you their team. I'm sucks joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I legitimately like that though. Go on. No, but keep going. Keep going, Chris. Uh, I really think uh, Montreal is is a much better team than last year, but last year's team finished twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. They were a sub five hundred team. We're not talking about a team that just missed the playoffs. We're talking about a team that, without that bubble thing, was not even <laughs> near the conversation. I know a lot of it was bad luck because a lot of their underlying metrics were quite good, but they don't have a game breaking talent outside of Carey Price, in my opinion. Suzuki looks like he's going to get there, but he's not there yet. Magic box. Uh, Mor- Mor- Morgan <laughs> Riley might uh, say otherwise. Uh, if he could find his, his jockstrap, but I don't think he can. Or Riley. So, <laughs> uh, I would say that's a good team, but this is not the Stanley Cup team that all of a sudden, after a good signing or two, everyone seems to think they are. Uh, I don't think anyone in the North Division is a Stanley Cup contender, not even the Leafs. So we need wow, to pump the bold. tires a little bit. Uh, the next rivalry that I have is uh, the Leafs uh, versus the first round. <laughs> uh, hilarious joke that I hear on Twitter uh, every day. And if it's not the 1967 joke, it's this one. Look, I mean, it's a the good Leafs goal. fans know, we know the team is not that good in the past. Um, that joke doesn't do anything for us anymore. Get some originality. If we, you want to make fun of someone else, make fun of something else. But this one we laugh about more than you do, so find another joke. Um, and uh, just as a – it's not a rivalry, but a nice little nod. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of hype with the jerseys this year with the reverse retro jerseys. Uh, I wanted to point out two jerseys that aren't reverse retro that are hot shit. The Sabres blue jersey this year. Goddamn. Nice. I want one. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It is majestic. Well, joking. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> I I love that jersey. I would want one. Please, someone get me that jersey, Jack Eichel, <laughs> and uh, the Oilers navy jersey with just the orange. Amazing. Use that one every game. Don't bother with this orange monstrosity that they use half the time. <laughs> this one is perfect. I love it. Don't ever change it. Uh, so I wanted to point those two out because they're not organizations that usually make good decisions, but with this, they make great decisions. 
And uh, speaking of jerseys, I wanted to uh, bring back one really fun story, uh, which is, uh, you know how the Islanders reverse retro jersey is the same as the regular jersey? Garbage, yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you know why that's the case? Because Lou is a boring fuck. Yeah, because <laughs> King of Boredom, Lou Lamorello, refused every other jersey prototype <laughs> that they was offered. Oh, my every God. Every single one. I didn't even think so, he had a uh, say in that. Yeah, the team's – you know how Lou is? He, he's the big boss. No facial And he did not want any fun. No yeah, he's fun like, take the fucking Lou, facial so. hair off that jersey. Bro, that... <laughs> it is – I honestly, when they, when they released it, I thought it was a mistake because it was their regular jersey. Yep. Nothing pissed me off more, like, just to touch on the fucking reverse retros, was the Blackhawks not posting their logo. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Like, how do you think that that is the appropriate way to acknowledge the logo on your chest being offensive? Oh, you, you, like, how, nobody how was going to notice. Chicken like, shit. You're just gonna like, they're chicken shit. They like, you, nobody was yeah. they they, That is, uh, they, they know it's chicken shit bad yeah. and they won't do anything about it. That was... The rat. thing that's that's stupid like, like is no, nice nobody was gonna they notice. Know. Like nobody was gonna notice. Like they released all the retro jerseys and people are just gonna skip over the Chicago and be like, oh, look at the numbers. No, yeah. we know you're. Or blame the photographer. You know, like it's, 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 uh, so yeah. st- it's just and it's a nice jersey. And they had also gone in this fucking spiel about how they weren't gonna change their logo. They weren't gonna change their name. They were gonna be getting involved in initiatives and and supporting the Native American community. And then you do th- like it's. I don't. I don't want to get into it. It's um, just yeah. so. So Tyler would know this because we worked together. Uh, Russo, for those who don't know, as a hockey store in in Quebec. Uh, uh, when we got the catalog, like at the buying show a year ago, we got to kind of see what the jerseys looked like ahead of time. The only one that was unavailable in the catalog was the Blackhawks you one. So I was under the impression they were going to change it because it was about time that they did, and they did not. No. Okay. So. Uh, that hey, it's gonna they have yeah. to do something about it's, that yeah, it's, 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 well they will it's they disgusting will. It, was a, it was a ridiculous it, pr uh, move. i don't know how it's about time that they get they get yeah. called out for it too so i really hope that they figure it out yeah yep. i don't know how that gets approved by anyone you know like, that sounds like the idea of one person in a boardroom that gets shot down immediately but yet it ended up being the thing that happened um for me this this upcoming month i mean the thing i had written down was the injuries the increased frequency of injuries and and you know the covid related stuff and you know it's it, that's all valid and i think there will be increased injuries and covid something to monitor but that's also boring as shit so i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with looking at winnipeg's performance over the first month and i'm gonna go with uh, watching Edmonton's defense this next month because I think we're going to find out all we need to know about both of those teams in those areas. Well, in general with Winnipeg and with defense uh, in Edmonton, we're going to find out what we need to know about them within the next month. And I think we're going to see, I think Winnipeg's going to be the second last team in the division this year. And I I, I really don't think they're going to have a great year or a great month up ahead, but there's so much talent there that I'm obviously going to be keeping a keen eye on it. And uh, I love a lot of their players, so I would love to see them overachieve, but I just don't think it's going to happen. And the Oilers on D, I mean, there are pieces there that are... I, I mean, I, I thought Ethan Bear was was quietly a really great player last year, and I'm hoping he can take a step forward as the season goes on and that they can find their feet a little bit uh, on, on defense there. So that's what I'm watching personally. I, I, I personally am hoping that they keep Barry. Like, I like, I think he's actually a good player, yeah. but I would like him with Kleckbaum. I don't like exactly. him alone. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, so Tyson. Yeah, Tyson Berry's like that defenseman. Where, well, no, he's not. Just, he's just that hockey player that everyone. Like, he's not what everyone keeps on hoping he's going to be or wants him to be, and nobody can just accept that that's just what he is. You know. Yeah. Some hockey players are like that. Some hockey players are just they are what they are, 
That's fine. You can either, yeah, and you can either accept that that's it and work with it or not complain when they do exactly what you don't want. It doesn't help that he's being shoehorned into a role that is bigger than what he's, you know, that's yeah. But again, that's what I think is going to happen anyway. Like, we're going to see it. Yeah. might be a more of an even split. One way or the other, he's going to have a, the mic. He's going to be under the microscope. So it's going to be, uh, I think I think the media might go in on him a little bit this year. But uh, we're I think we're all Tyson Barry uh, supporters here, at least, for the, for the player that he is. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, that's our show. We're running a little bit long on time here. It's been great talking to you guys. It's been great talking to, to the listeners out here. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HockeyOMC. Um, I'll let you guys uh, sign off with your Twitter handles. Yeah, so uh, folks, if you're still listening to us, thank you. Um, well, we're still getting our feet wet in this, but uh, we're excited. We're excited to be to be getting this done with you guys. Um, so yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at TylerO'Connor95. Um, I'm, I'm not very good at Twitter, but uh, that's where you can find me. Right on. Chris? Uh, and, I, and I'm at Chris6 or 7 on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hear about how dumb most NHL players are. Uh, I want to take a tell second me, tell to me more. thank uh, Hot Sauce for adopting us here because uh, we're really excited with the stuff that they've got set up and uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without them right now so yes sir uh, give them a follow too if you can Absolutely. and uh, see you guys in a month yep we're looking there forward it to it alright stay healthy out there yeah. everyone take it easy folks